are listening to Shades Midweek, episode 127. My name is John Mark DeRoe. I'm one of the hosts here of Shades Midweek, and I just want to say thank you for joining us and listening each and every week. As usual, we are coming to you from Three Streams Studio. I am here with Mr. Brad Brown and Mr. Jonathan Hayes. Good to see you all here. How's it going? It's going good, man. I'm overarchingly doing well. As most people know, I dealt with a bit of a stomach bug towards the end of last week. It was actually Friday was the day I got sick. Um, so I wasn't able to be here Sunday. So that was a bummer. And anytime, anytime I'm like sick where I have to be isolated for a little bit, I uh, definitely, people know I mental health struggles with depression. And so I had a bit of a rough weekend with all of that. But the Lord has been faithful in his kindness and has uh, given me some really good uh friends and people, you guys included, speaking to my life for the last couple of days and helping to get me back on track. And I'm ready to roll with the new Judges series for this Sunday. So excited about that. But So that's what's going on in my world, Brad. Brad, you're on Baby Watch. Ooh. I'm on. We need, we need a, we need a, woo, woo, Baby Watch 2022. Yeah. Woo, woo. We need like a sound effect or something. I think you just did it, Jonathan. Did I? Is that what it's going to be? Yes, that's it. So yeah, any moment now. It could happen. So official due date is October 5th, right? Yes. So we're what, within like two weeks? So we're coming up on it very quickly. Mm. So, yeah, anytime Jordan just called me earlier just to say hey. <laughs> your, heart, your heart jumped a little? This, sweet? this is why I love my wife. There are many reasons. But she called me and I said, hey, what are you calling about? She said, I just want to call and tell you I love you. You need to... You need to use your Apple Watch to see how your heart rate spikes every time she calls you or texts you. I know. I was like, are you giving birth right now? She's like, that's not how it works. <laughs> I'm like, yep, reminder, I still have no clue about anything. Oh. So, yeah, I'm sitting on the edge of my seat. We'll see what happens. Yeah. We've never had a birth, you know, on Shades Midweek before. So. Are, are we doing this on Shades Midweek? Are we going to go mobile to the hospital? I think she would love that. I think she would, too. <laughs> Oh yeah, so that's my, that's that's everything for me, John Mark. What about you? Uh, what about you? Well, while Jonathan was sick over the weekend, uh, Brad led Body Life, and I went out of town. Actually, flew out to Raleigh, North Carolina, with one Daniel Bashta and Harvest Bashta, and uh, the two other guys that have been playing with Daniel for ten years. And we played a Sunday morning service at a church there in Raleigh called Church Alive. It's like an Assemblies of God church. They were having their 21-year anniversary as a church, and we had been out there before to play. They want us to lead worship for them on that uh, Sunday morning, that occasion for them. So there was a quick, awesome trip. Got to see some friends, had some good food, and had a good time, and then flew back home Man, on an, that Sunday. An AOG church, getting back to some Pentecostal roots. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I was telling, I was telling someone on staff there that I, the Christian school I went to growing up was actually affiliated with uh, Assemblies of God Church. Uh, I didn't go to an Assemblies of God Church growing up. We were more like independent Pentecostal, but um, so I'm very familiar with kind of the the ag vibe though but we had a great time and got to play some good music with some good friends and uh it was a nice little gig that's that awesome got to do. sounds lovely yeah. well speaking of you yep. and music uh-huh. you got some for us jm's album of the
My album of the week this week is Pierre Gabriel. I wish I could swim. It's an album that he put out called Scratch My Back. It's an album of cover songs. Like dolphins. With a symphony like orchestra. Can swim. I don't know if it's the London Philharmonic. I'm not sure which symphony recorded on this. Nothing this is Heroes by David Bowie via Peter Gabriel together. and this beautiful symphony that he has. I'm sure you guys have heard this version before. It's been we used be in some movies. Forever and ever. What you say the name of the album is? I can be Scratch My Back. Came out in 2010. Just for one day. He, yeah, he I covers like, I like, a... I like the song. Oh, yeah. He covers a Bonnie Vare song on here. He covers Arcade Fire, Billy Joel. Uh, covers Radiohead. He's got some good covers on here. Paul Simon, I believe. If, uh, if that is the London Philharmonic, you could say that you chose this album in honor of the Queen. <laughs> Very good tie-in, Jonathan. The Queen's yeah, passing a cultural recently. reference. I'll let you guys hear the big part, and then I'll... Uh, I'll quit talking. I'll quit talking about the Queen here in just a second. Is it is the big part coming right here? It's coming up in maybe like ten seconds or so. Did y'all hear it was debatably the most watched event ever? Four billion people estimate oh half goodness. the planet. That's crazy. That is crazy. Anyway, I'm not a big Royals guy, but I heard that. Sure. All right, I'll be quiet. I love Peter Gabriel's voice. He just kills it on this song. Gonna tie this in. There's a new David Bowie documentary coming out called Moon Age Daydream. So there's a little tie in there as well. It's in theaters this weekend. All right, Peter Gabriel. It's called Scratch My Bag. There's a lot of good arrangements on this record. I've been loving it for several years. Thought I'd feature it today. Peter Gabriel is one of my favorites. It's a cool album. Scratch My Back. Available available via Spotify, Apple Music, anywhere you listen to music. All right. Not quite the London Philharmonic, man. I, listen, after what happened last week, I'm a little scared about what's going to happen in this book club here. I don't know. I feel like it's lost its direction. Hello, friends, family members, fans, and fanatics. We are in another edition of Bradford's Book Club. Thank you to the San Francisco Boys Choir for that lovely introduction. I have a question for both of you today. They were both looking down on their phones. Shows their engagement. I'm getting ready for, for the Bradford. next what segment. What are you talking about? I have a question for both of you. In a sentence or two, we'll start with John Mark. How do you feel about gambling? <laughs> All right. This is a trick question, so... There's no trick question. It is absolutely a trick question. There's no trick question, John. I don't know how I should answer this. Uh, what, are you, what are you looking for here? 
I'm just a sentence or two. What comes to your mind? Uh, well, I don't necessarily think that it's a great idea. Okay. To gamble away your money. Okay, that's um, good. That's good enough. Okay, Jonathan. Alcohol. <laughs> Interesting. Why do you say that? I I think the theological position is somewhat similar. I I and that it technically is not a forbidden activity, but is highly dangerous. Yeah. So. Okay. If I mean, if we're all being honest, I yeah. I have played roulette before in a casino. Okay, I've played slots before. In a I casino. I have only had one casino experience. That was on uh, a cruise ship that Holly and I went on, and and it was the like I took X amount of dollars in and had to view it as me like buying tokens in a game room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm just gonna play games and like so that's where I'm saying like there's that sense. Where I I don't think like oh this is like sinful or or something of that yep. nature or what have not yep. okay. but I do think just like alcohol is a highly addictive substance mm-hmm. uh, there is more of the world of high stakes okay. gambling illegal gambling those kinds of things that are incredibly problematic mm-hmm. so I think that if That's one good. is going to engage in it for the sake of mere fun they have to know themselves. And they have to uh, do so wisely. Mm. Well, you know, mm-hmm. I Brad has this look here, on his face that he is like laughing at the here, fact we're taking no, this, this question seriously. Well, well, he has. So this no, is what this happens. Is um, I took Zion and Moses actually recently different trips to Chuck E. Cheese to to play video games, to play arcade games, which are an arcade with tickets and a redemption counter. Redemption, is, redemption counter is yes. virtually a version of childhood gambling. Yes, and <laughs> would I, in good conscience? Mm-hmm. Let them play. Like, let's say we go, we go, we pay for an hour. The hour's done. Would it be a great idea for me to say, oh, let's just play for five more hours and spend two or three hundred dollars? Probably wouldn't be a good idea. Now, was it fun to do it for one hour? Hey, time's up. We spent the money that we that we put into it. There's no more. We are calling it. And we go up to the counter and count our tickets and see how what we can get. How many Tootsie Rolls can we get? I just spent $40. How many suckers can I get? $40. So it yeah. probably wouldn't be a good idea, though, mm-hmm. to maybe go there every day. Mm-hmm. Or, you, know, right. you know what I mean? Yeah. No, right. 100%. I think that there is a way that it can be approached uh, as a in a wise leisure activity kind of way. But then I also think that there's a very unwise way that does become sinful. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. if we're talking about gambling... Brad's mo- going to let us talk as long as we want if to. If we're talking about gambling movies, mm-hmm. those are some of my favorites. Okay. Uh, the Oceans movies, like any movie in a casino... Oh, the Oceans movies are Those great. are some of my favorite movies. Anything with poker, Casino Royale, 007, mm-hmm. any, anything with those elements, love those types of movies. So just in, prin- as a side. In, in principle, I don't have mm-hmm. an issue with something like, you know... Um, uh, between friends, we're playing a poker game, yep. or we're, you know, um, uh, doing college picks or something like that, or whatever. You know, right. those kinds of right. things. We're going know. down a office deep pool, whatever, yep. all that kind of stuff. I do okay. think that one should obey the laws of the uh, the place in which they live, That's and so true. you got to know your state laws. That's true too. I will say this. Uh-huh. <laughs> I wouldn't have the education that I have were it not for the Georgia lottery. So I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> yeah, it's a controversial topic. And it we, is don't, a controversial we don't have the lottery topic. here in Alabama. Yeah, Brad and I yeah. are both from from too. Georgia, Georgia where, the, where the lottery was justified and used uh, to yeah. fund uh, educational scholarships for college. And one can say, I mean, that's 
robbing the poor. <laughs> I mean, like, like to feed the rich. Like, they're right. you know, Some I mean, have made it the argument preys upon the poor, and so yeah, it's complicated. It's complicated. It's complicated. You know, I'm not endorsing the lottery. Of course not. You know, Ashley's I'm just saying I wouldn't have had those two years of college without right. it. That's well, true. Ashley's family, they're, they live in Ohio and Wisconsin. Uh, Ashley's dad, who's in Ohio, sends us little lottery tickets every year for Christmas. Oh. We scratch off. There you are. You know, mm-hmm. as a Christmas gift. That's, I mean, be honest. Right into Shades it. Midweek, when, when, when those jackpots get up as high as they when do. When they get up, like, they get way to up a there, billion, you're right like, in, Right, Doug Abernathy. I want to know if you're doing the math. I want to know if you're buying. What are the odds? If you're buying a ticket when he gets up to a certain point. This has been a five minute aside. (laughs) He hasn't even started his segment yet. Well, the reason I ask is because we're taking a bit of a gamble on Bradford's book club today. Are you serious? All of that was an effort of a cheesy dad pun? Well, and the reason we're taking a bit of a gamble is because this is a book that I haven't read yet. That's and not a gamble. That's that's the norm. It's a it's a gamble. <laughs> I'm just I'm being a punk. But I'd say it's a sure bet. Actually, I would say that the odds are in our favor. This is getting worse. Because it's a book by an author that I've read before and an author who uh, I've benefited greatly from an author by the name of James K.A. Smith. He has just come out with a new book, How to Inhabit Time, Understanding the Past, Facing the Future, and Living Faithfully Now. I literally just got this book in the mail, so I haven't had time to read it. So what's going on in the book? I don't think anybody has. There's there's one review. It's a five-star review, but there's only one review on Amazon thus far. Well, there you go. You can be the next. Many Christians are disconnected from the past or they imagine they are above history, immune to it, as if self-starters from clean slates in every generation. They suffer from a lack of awareness of time and the effects of history, both personal and collective, and thus are naive about current issues and fixated on the end times. Popular speaker and award-winning author James K. Smith shows that awakening to the spiritual significance of time is crucial for orienting faith in the 21st century. He encourages us to cultivate the spiritual discipline of memento tempore, a temporal awareness of the Spirit's presence indebted to the past, oriented toward the future, and faithful in the present. So, if you've never read James K. Smith before, I would encourage you to check him out. How to Inhabit Time, Understanding the Past, Facing the Future, Living Faithfully Now. It's a gamble that you'll be glad that you made. My word. I don't know what's happening anymore. I thought last week we went uh, off the rails. Uh, I will ask you this, Brad. Uh, Smith writes on both the popular and the academic level. Do you know which this tends towards? This this is geared towards the popular level. Okay, cool. For sure. Yeah. Because yeah. his academic stuff is great, but it does take a little bit more work. Oh, yeah. Yes. So this is definitely written for a popular audience. Cool. So it should be very accessible. All right. Well, guys, uh, now that we've successfully wasted a ton of people's time, uh, let's waste a little bit more. Because, that's right, people, two weeks in a row. We are taking you on the Shades Midweek Taco Tour. Yep, that's right. 
This week we visited Gordo's, which is a local Homewood establishment not too far away here from Old Shades Valley Community Church. I've put together uh, a little ensemble of some clips from our little trip. It's about three and a half minutes long. Let's check it out. Shades Midweek Taco Tour Week 2. Shades Midweek Taco Tour Round 2, Gordo's. So for those of you who don't know, Gordo's uh, is not like a taco truck situation, but it kind of is. Um, it's, a, it's a restaurant, like it has a, a brick and mortar. They have all the meat in like these vats, <laughs> sort of like if you go to Chipotle, except this is nothing like Chipotle. This is like <laughs> authentic street tacos. Everyone speaks Spanish, the menu's in Spanish. And it's a good place to go to. Gordo's is extremely close to Shades. One could say just as convenient to Shades <laughs> as the uh, Los Valadores Blue Taco Truck. Just give us a lay of the landscape. So if you're wondering what the roaring sound is in the background, JM likes to live in Arctic weather, and that's his air conditioner. This is um, true. It's on full blast. So we're passing little Valley Avenue Plaza, little shopping center, and you kind of go around the side of it on like the, it's on the side towards the back edge. We're pulling up to Gordo's. Looks like- Oh, it's packed. Oh, it is packed. Little place kind of tucked in the back on the corner. Um, and yeah, I, I can't read anything on the, on the side of the building. I, I recognize oh. the word produce. What would appear to be this little ascending line of shops, but really 75% of it is Gordo's. All right, dude, we're here in Gordo's. We're sitting in the bakery area right now. I got a asada, carnitas, and pollo. What'd you get, Jonathan? We got pollo, a, uh, oh, what's this one? Carnitas and a chicharro, which I just took my first bite of. How is it? It's good. Um, I don't know that I would be able to eat this meat by itself. Like with all of it together, I can do this. I don't know any other way to say this. It's like a limp fish. Tortillas are uh, not getting as high of a rating are they for me. Apart? Yeah, my tortilla totally just like fell apart. It looks like um, pork rinds or pork crackling. Mm -hmm. The mild sauce was pretty good. It's actually got way more of a kick than the mild sauce did at the play at uh, Taqueria El Aradura. I can try, but the hot sauce has less of one. But I got the asada, the carnitas, and the pollo. Doug Mark is now buying us a, a pastry that basically looks like you took a croissant and made it into the shape of an ice cream cone and then filled it with like cream. Like, cream. Yeah, like think like crispy cream, cream filled donut. Yeah, it's like the size of my hand, <laughs> at least. I think we're also seeing John Mark's personality, which is just like, he goes for it. Like wherever he is, like he's going all in. It's all in, man. Full experience. Full experience. Like he's probably gonna get a t-shirt. You know, like he's the guy walking out with a t-shirt. Even if the t-shirt isn't good, like he's still gonna get the t-shirt. It's only a dollar Oh, I wish I had some more stuff. Sweet bread. It's just to be pan dolce. Sweet bread. Looks like a croissant mm -hmm. put into the shape of an ice cream cone yep. and filled with cream. It tastes like a croissant. What are you gonna get? I figure I can get some churro. Okay, a churro? Mm. Like we did at the last place. That's good. A lot of people are. Al Pastor, I feel like. A lot of people are gonna be mad at us because we didn't get the same thing. Man, I'm like so full right now. <laughs> 
That's right. Okay. So we're going to do this just like we did last week. We've got a rating system out of 10. We rate each taco. I believe last week we also mentioned a favorite sauce. Maybe even rate that. Any side items that were purchased outside of tacos can also receive a rating. And then maybe an overall rating for the restaurant itself. So this was Gordo's. Gordo's is an establishment here in West Homewood. It's been here for quite a while. It's actually a... So you go in there. It's I don't a, know if that's technically West Homewood. Oh, yeah. I guess it's not West Homewood. I don't know what that is. That's Homewood. It's Homewood. Um, sorry, Brad. I don't live here, okay? I just want to give the people accurate <laughs> information. I don't know what what areas we're talking about. You're forgiven. Thank you. There's a market. There's a butcher shop. You can get meat by the pound. You can go in there and get your tacos. They serve breakfast. You can go in there and get pastries. They've got a lot of pastries, tons of groceries in the market. So a lot of fun. The environment's environment's great. I, I love the environment. I love that uh, there's just a lot going on in there. Fun fun story. I accidentally left my credit card there on Monday <laughs> and had to track that down. And call them on Tuesday morning, and they said, oh, we do have it here. So I went back on Tuesday, and I actually tried some more pastries while I was there. Oh. Uh, <laughs> just because it was in the morning time. And Zion was with me, so I was like, Zion, let's get a treat. I will say this to all the parents. like I, We said this while we were there. I was like, man, my kids sometimes will be like, hey, let's all go get ice cream. And ice cream is crazy expensive now. If you go somewhere that does like yeah. individual cones. Take them to this bakery because <laughs> like right. everything there is huge and kids will love it and think it's amazing. And yes. each thing is like a dollar, dollar yeah, fifty. They've got yeah. slices of cake. They've got donuts. They've got sweet breads, churros, all kinds of amazing. things. Amazing. Okay, Jonathan, why don't you go first? I think you started this last week. All right. So just doing my items. So I I'll go in order from least favorite to most favorite. So the chicharron, which uh, basically, if y'all don't know what that is, imagine uh. Pork, pork uh, rinds, is that what you call them? I don't even eat these yes. things, the like chip type things. Yeah. But imagine them with the texture of uncooked fish. Yes. <laughs> fried pork crackling. It was not fried enough, I'll tell you that. <laughs> it was was very limp and slimy. Anyway, I gave it a two. Ugh. I gave mm. it a two, and that's mm. not on the chicharron there. There may be people that love it. That's more on me. That's on me. It's, just, it's just not, not my thing. Favorite. It's not yeah. my thing. Okay. The pollo was pretty good. I gave it a 6.5. The carnitas was my favorite uh, taco, but it's still – I've, I've got a bar that's been set yeah. by uh, Takiyara Lairadora. Yeah. So uh, so I got a 7.5 for yeah. that. But then I did have some bakery items. My favorite one was the churro, and I gave the churro 8.5. Mm. Very good. What about any type of sauces or anything like that you want to mention? No, I didn't rate any sauces last week, so I'm going to let you guys be the mm, sauce guys. All right, and we'll wait till the end to give your overall rating for Gordo's. Yes, Is that how we yeah, do it? yeah, we'll do the overall ratings. All right, Brad, let's hear from you, sir. So I have a make-or-break meat for me whenever I go to a taco establishment. Well, we all know what it is. We all know what it is. It's Al Pastor. I'm a big fan. Yeah. I love it. It's my go-to. Yep, yep. They didn't have it that day. So I held back the tears and I moved forward, but I feel like that was just a little bit of a blow. Once again, not on them. It's situational, but I have to be honest with my subjective experience and say that that might have affected how I viewed everything else. So Al Pastor didn't have it. Asada 
I'm going to give the Asada 8 out of 10. The, I thought the meat with the Asada was actually better than the meat with Takiera Hindora. La Eridora. La Eridora. Thank you. I knew that was wrong, but I went ahead and said it anyway. I wouldn't have corrected you if you hadn't given John Mark such a hard time. About Carnitas, moving on. Carnitas, 7.5 out of 10. Pollo, 7 out of 10. Sauces, I'm giving an 8 out of 10. Now, here's another thing for me. I loved that it was in the bottle at, our, at the previous establishment. Right. It really makes a difference because you can put it like a, more on the taco, you know, where having to scoop just wasn't as enjoyable. Well, ex- explain why. Explain why that is. Because it's buffet style. Yes. They, so they put the meat on the taco. And, and they put the cheese choose, on there for you. Can you can choose cheese or not. And then you do the rest of the toppings. Right. Which I'm not confident in my own taco topping ability, to be honest. I feel like there's a certain formula and amount, and I haven't been trained in that, so I just don't know. So that was part of it. I didn't know if I was doing the toppings right. Overall, I gave it an 8 out of 10, which would put it just behind the first 8 out of 10 for overall experience. And I have to say the bakery really upped it. Upped, wait, wait, wait. wait. It from a did you just give your overall he did. score? He didn't wait to the oh, end. Oh, my word. Oh, wait. Did you not do that? Can't follow instructions. I was definitely I was closely listening to Jonathan. All right, well we know we know you we know that. you have an eight out of ten. That's fine. All right, moving on. Sure. Sorry, you, right? you just think I have an eight out of ten. That was a a foil. Go ahead. Go ahead, John Mark. All right, Asada six out of ten. I thought it was fine. Carnitas was my favorite. Seven out of ten. That was my seven and a half out of ten. That was uh, my favorite taco of theirs. Thought it was pretty tasty. Seven and a half. Chicken, 5 out of 10. Was not really a fan of it. Wow. Um, the meat? You just didn't like the yeah. the flavor of the meat? I didn't like it. It was a little drippy, too. I don't know. There was just there was mm. something about it. I just was not into it. Uh, very chickeny taste. I don't know. Just <clears throat> felt like it had been sitting there for a little bit. Uh, favorite sauce was my, the mild sauce, and I would actually give that a, the, the mild a 9 out of 10. Uh, but I'm with Brad. Mm. I'm with Brad. I like... I like uh, the previous establishment. You you just you know get, you just get some out on. of the bottle. You know just you can put you as can much try as, as many as you want. Yes, it's very nice. Uh, the churro, eight out of ten for sure. I thought the churro was delicious. Their their bakery is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the different sweet breads we had, I thought were awesome. Um, okay, so so Gordo's. here we go. Yeah, overall score for Gordo's Brad. Well, I said eight out of ten, and I'm going to say seven point nine out of ten. <laughs> he changed it. He changed it. Well, I may be controversial, guys, but uh, I gave it a six and a half. I, l- I like the intensity. I gave wow. it a six and a half. And They're going to come after uh, us. They might. They might. And here's the deal. Um, it it really had more to do with the food. I like the atmosphere, and and I was going to give it a six, but what bumped it up the extra half was that bakery. Yeah, the bakery yeah, bumped it up. I mean, great. I could go seven, but I'm going to stay with six and a half. Uh, I'm going to go six point eight. I'm going to go six point eight. John Mark just did that, so I would get the hate for being the <laughs> lowest score. I'm going to go 6.8. Uh, here's the weird thing for me. I've been to Gordo's. This was probably my fifth or sixth time going there. Okay. I've been there before. Okay. Something happened after last week that may, maybe it's forever changed me. Okay. That place last week, Taqueria Liargera, was so good that going into this experience this week, I had a new expectation, and I just felt like it had, it had not been met. 
Yeah. Uh, it's hard. Fully. It's hard. And it's difficult. Well, now, that is a lovely place, and I will definitely go back again. Yes, yeah, support local business. Eat at Gordo's. It's yeah. a lovely place. I I really actually love their their uh, bakery. is awesome. Absolutely. And I have I'll, to go back and try the Alpas door for sure. Yeah. And we, ma- yeah. Exactly. We, we, we don't know. We picture. couldn't get it. We couldn't get it. I want to give the butcher shop a run. I yeah, buy I some think that'd be cool there. too. I, I'm curious about the pricing. But so definitely visit there. The goal of this is not to pick on yes. any restaurant or anything like that. It's really all of the food and tacos are good. It's it's. Who's at the top? That's Who's what we're after. That's what we're trying to figure out. That's what we're after. Yeah, yeah, for so. sure. For Thanks sure. for joining us on this second installment of the Shades Midweek Taco Tour. We hope to bring you another edition of this soon. All righty. Brad, what are we doing today? Today, we are going to have a conversation about one of our cultural convictions at Shades Valley. It's the only cultural conviction that we have not done an episode on. It is also the only cultural conviction that we did not have a podcast for, the sermon in the series, because God shut the power off. (laughs) Whoever the pastor was, he was probably saying some pretty insane things, and so it got shut down. Yeah. Yes, it was I. For those of you that don't know, I'm not making fun of Jonathan, making fun of myself, The cultural conviction that we're going to be talking about today is member-led ministry. So these cultural convictions, these are really values that we have at Shades. This is what we want our culture to embody. This is what we aim to create together. This is what we want to strive towards. And for individuals that are new to Shades, this is four ways that we describe our community and how you describe kind of our ethos, or I mean, I keep going back to the word vibe, because it's, I just it's think good. it's and like the vibe's a good word. This is our vibe. Know, it's it's what I think of when I think about these cultural convictions. Yeah, and like Brad said, we have four of them, and uh, you just want to name them real quick. We have. I want, I'd be curious if John Mark could name them off the top <laughs> of his head because he doesn't have any notes in front of him. Just do this to John Mark right in front of everybody. Messy authenticity, spirit simplicity, three stream unity, and member led ministry. Bam! Exactly. How you like that, Brad? Right. You nailed it. Yeah. I never had a doubt. So, other than member led ministry, like Brad said, we've done individual midweek episodes on these other ones. So you can go back in the catalog and find those if you'd like to hear those. Mm-hmm. Or, like you said, we just did a sermon series, and you can find sermons about all three of those. That's right. But what you won't find a midweek episode or a sermon about is this one. So, Brad, you preach that sermon. Why don't you? Ministry. Why don't you walk us through a, a finally, finally, we're getting here a midweek episode yeah. Yeah. on member-led ministry. Well, and to give a little background, we came up with the first three really over a period of time, but it solidified on a pastoral retreat that we were on, and we had three. Yeah, and, and we thought it was just going to be three. And then I believe it was Jonathan that was having a little bit of a hankering and was like, I feel like we need one more. And at the time, I remember thinking, I don't know if we need one more initially. Well, the thing I was a little skeptical. So lots of churches have value statements. They'll be like, these are our values. And Shades, when when I arrived 10 years ago, kind of had developed multiple sets of those Mm -hmm. over the years. And so when I got a hold of all that, I had like 20 different statements of things that Shades valued, 
and they that would be too many. For <laughs> well, and some of them, them yeah. some of them repeated one another or right. with just a little bit of different language. But basically, we what we did was we took those twenty. And we started grouping them, like, mm-hmm. okay, what's saying the same thing, or what kind of goes together, and that's what led to there being really kind of three big categories, and we were able to really write out. We retained a ton of that original language, but we're able to write out kind of and, and summarize what was being said. That's it was right. It wasn't the goal wasn't to come up with something new; it was to really put in a memorable form that we could easily remember and describe our community. Yeah, uh, describing what's already things. there. And, and so what I began to feel was that there were these things that were a part of that group of countless statements mm-hmm. that didn't fit. That we hadn't described. Yeah, we hadn't described. It didn't fit into those three categories. And it was like, I feel like there's got to be a fourth because this feels like it's an important part of who we are. And and we even talked about it on that pastoral retreat, but none of us That's could right. quite put our finger on it. Mm-hmm. And so we were having a conversation, and I think Jonathan threw out a couple different names. We went back and forth, and we kind of landed on member-led ministry. And then the story I told in the sermon that's forever lost on the Internet (laughs) is that we were doing a podcast here in Three Streams Studio with Ross and Lane Lackey. They were talking about their work with Partner Architects. And you, you can go back and listen to that episode and fact check You can go back check, and listen. Brad. You can fact check me here. And in the midst of it, Ross said that he, well, he was describing why they love Shade so much and why the community had such a big impact on them. And so one of the things he said was that Shade just had a member-led ministry to it or ministries to it. And then he backtracked and was like, that's not to say anything negative about the pastors. And I loved it so much. I remembered it. It made me laugh at the time because we had just had conversations about member-led ministry. He literally just come up with that name, and then he said it. So we were definitely not offended. Right. (laughs) In the slightest, we were actually thrilled, and it was really confirming. So to talk about member-led ministry and what we mean by member-led ministry, we're going to walk through the statement. How does that sound, guys? Yeah. Yeah, just, are you going to read the whole thing to start with, or? I was just going to start at the beginning and stop. All right, sounds good. Break it down. Everybody loves how we prep right here on the show. I love it. Exactly. (laughs) Well, we only spent about 30 minutes on tacos, albums, and books. One could say that there's a messy authenticity and a spirit (laughs) simplicity to this podcast. So, Member-led ministry, God has so designed the body of Christ that each of us is a meaningful part of it and gifted to serve it. There are two theologians that have really brought this reality to the forefront for me. One is Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book, Truly the Community, and the way that he talks about the body of Christ and living in community with one another and the need for each member for the body to carry out its function and to learn to love one another and to learn learn to love Christ. The second author is an author that's not as well known. I don't know if you all have ever heard of her. It's an author named Marva Dawn. Are you all familiar with Marva Dawn? Have you ever heard that name before? I don't think I have. So she wrote a book that's a reflection on Romans 12 called Truly the Community. And she just had a way in that book of talking about the body of Christ and really just 
emphasizing each member having a function like our bodies do. And she would use personal illustrations of the community she was in and members, she wouldn't say them by name, but individuals she would have struggles with and how over time she came to see these members as essential members to the body of Christ. Oh man, I've been writing this book and I can't wait until I retire and I can release my (laughs) tell-all. The associate pastor who will not be named... No. Sorry, I yeah. took a drink. No, you're good, man. You're good. Um, I, I think you told me about that book at one point. Um, but, yeah. But, Both yeah. E- 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 oh, all, all I was going to say Go was ahead. that uh, even the, the metaphor of a body. Yes. You know, that's the language we use all the time. We use it more than we use anything else, like congregation or faith family. or I mean, we use those words, but we talk about the body. And that comes mm-hmm. straight out of 1 Corinthians 12. It's a metaphor that Paul uses yep. to describe the church and each individual member is a mm-hmm. member of the body. And that, I mean, that metaphor in and of itself illustrates what we're trying to say in the statement, that every member is valuable uh, because every single part of your body is needed. I'm not willing to sacrifice any of my fingers, any of my toes, any of my, like, like yep. they all have a job. Every part is needed and necessary. Uh, we we have, no, what, what um, we have no appendixes uh, here at, at Chase. Oh, yeah. I was yes. trying to think of what are the body parts they tell you that they, that we don't actually need these things. Exactly. Um, you yeah, know, yeah. Um, but anyway, all I'm saying is that that metaphor in and of itself is meant to communicate every member is needed because every member's gifts are important to the health of the whole. Yes. One of uh, my professors used to say that on my best day, I believe this. Or when he would make a theological statement or something that can be hard to have faith about. And it's true. I mean, on my best day, I really believe that each and individual person has been brought to Shades Valley by God's gracious providence to serve a purpose. And this is from Marva Dawn. And we are really less without them. Which that phraseology is uh, something that you brought to Shades. It's true. I inherited it from the previous church that I was at hmm. and, and from Marvadon, who everyone's influenced by somebody. You know what I'm saying? Right. So they had gotten it from her. But yeah, it, it really makes you think about the local body. Yeah. You were determined to make it stick at Shades. I was determined to make it <laughs> stick, man. I think you have. It only took a decade. But. I had a few people. Oh, I'm still going. I'm still going for it. But yeah, we really do believe this. So, moving on. We believe he brings us the members we need, and our ministry should naturally flow from their giftings. Thus, members are the ones who create SVCC's ministries, and each one is sustained as long as God provides members gifted to lead it. Okay, now I feel like we're really getting into the meat of this, and we're getting into what makes Shades Valley unique among some other maybe types of churches that are in Birmingham or maybe the type of church that you grew up with. So one way that I know how to illustrate this is to compare it to the church that I grew up at. So I grew up at a decently sized Southern Baptist church in Atlanta, Georgia, and on the church, I think, uh, at the church, not on the church, uh, at the church, I think there were maybe 30 staff members. And so when I think about the youth ministry 
there were two full-time youth ministers, one for high school and one for middle school. And then I believe each of them had a secretary. Also, I don't know the exact number, but my guess is that the yearly budget that this ministry was working with was probably $50,000. And this would have been back when I was in high school. So I'm, I'm sure it would be more now. And so if you think about that ministry as one example of many ministries that operate in that church, you see, wow, there's a lot of resources given to this ministry. There's a full-time employee. Wow, look at the budget. Think of all the things that they would be able to do, all of the events, all of the trips that they would be able to have because of the resources that they have. So if you think about that, and I think a I don't want to say a lot of us, but I think a decent amount of us might have grown up in churches where that's what ministry looked like. And that's how we think about various ministries and their functions. And you can apply it to different ones. So you can apply that to youth ministry. You can apply that to college ministry. You can apply that to uh, missions. You can apply that to women's ministry, men's ministry. And I said this in my sermon, uh, as we're talking I'm in no way, shape, or form saying that that's a bad thing or that's wrong or that's unbiblical. I can get a little sassy sometimes in my sermon, but in the midst of my sassiness, I'm not making any of those statements about those ministries. But you think about Shades Valley, and the full-time staff is in the podcast In in this room. (laughs) Right now. And then we have a handful of uh, what I call part, 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 part time staff, not in effort, but in pay, that run a few of our ministries. Then the rest are run by volunteers. These are people that have full time jobs. Uh, These are people that are stay at home moms and are watching the kids. Uh, And also with our ministries, the budget that these ministries are operating with is nowhere near the size of the type of budget that some of us may have been um, used to at the churches that we grew up at. So I point out that comparison to say that ministry is going to look very different at Shades Valley. Um, Our youth ministry is going to look very different than the youth ministry at that type of church. But what is so cool is that while it might not be as big, while it might not be as flashy, while it, not, while it might not have the same type of budget, uh, we believe that God has called members within the body and gifted them to serve and work with youth. Uh, we believe that God has called and gifted members to Uh, carry out something that would be similar to a men's ministry or to a women's ministry. And it's not full-time paid staff that's doing this. It's individuals within the body. And so while it looks different, we don't think it's any less significant. And this really gives members uh, at Shades, being at a smaller church, the opportunity to serve in very, um, what, 
I'm I'm trying to find the word not profound. That's the word that's in my head. Meaningful, kind of meaningful, yeah, in rich ways. And so, when we think about that, and I can I'll talk about ministries. But any thoughts on that from either of you in regards to? uh, Yeah, I mean, like again, we all we all come at this by comparing it to our own background, right? And so, you know, when I think about this compared to the first church that I worked in. Um, I would have described um, the the church that I worked in as doing top-down ministry. And actually, one of the names that we had thought about calling this cultural conviction was bottom-up ministry. Um, and, and that's to get at this idea of the fact that it's member-led versus staff-led. And so the, the, the idea being in the previous church that I worked in that was top-down ministry, staff came up with whatever the ministry ideas were that we were going to do. We built those ministry structures, and then we plugged people into running them regardless of what their giftings look like. Bottom-up ministry being what are the people we have, what are their gifts, and what is God calling them to do, and they build that ministry. The members decide, and the members lead, and as long and, – and, uh, another way it's different, and we said this exact uh, thing in the statement, it says uh, each ministry is sustained as long as God provides members to lead it. So in other words, if a member creates a ministry uh, with their giftings and all of that, and and then uh, they move out of state. Well, the question is, has God brought anyone else with those giftings to keep doing that ministry? If so, great, awesome, he's providing the giftings that are needed for that to keep running. But if not, then maybe that ministry goes by the wayside for a little while. And this can include even things that people would consider like staple ministries at a church. So in my tenure here at Shades, um, there has not always been a running men's ministry because there's been time when we didn't have leadership for it. And we would wait and God would move, bring someone else to lead, place a passion on their heart, and they would decide, hey, I want to do something that's like men's ministry. Um, and, and that's okay. We believe he's bringing us the people we need when we need them to do what we need in that season, uh, versus top down ministry. You know, once I, as a staff person created a ministry, I was going to keep that thing running no matter what. So even if I, if I can't find, um, someone who's got the giftings and the passion for it, I'm going to find a warm body somewhere. You know, and even if they're miserable in running it and not gifted to do it, I'm going to like try to convince them that they, they need to do it, you know, and, and that's uh, it's your job. Right, right. And so that, that's just the difference in the top down versus the bottom up versus that's the difference in staff led versus member led. It's, it's not asking what do we want to do? Okay, who can we get to do it? It's asking, okay, who has God brought us? And what is he calling them to do? It's moving in the exact opposite direction. And so our job as pastors, instead of designing ministry structures and plugging people in, is to go, okay, God's brought us these people. Let's come alongside, equip them to do what God's already gifted and called them to do and encourage them in that direction. So, yeah, those 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 are the thoughts I had that were coming to mind as you were talking. Yeah, yep, a, good totally. ex- a good example here at Shays would be Jeff and Park Stallcup. They lead our prayer ministry. Mm-hmm. They are obviously gifted at what they do, and I couldn't imagine um, us trying to run that ministry ourselves. I think that mm-hmm. that that God has a specific call on their life, and that's something that they're uniquely uh, gifted to do. And that's just an that's just an example of. 
people that have been here for a long time at Shades that that saw a need and said, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna step in and and create and foster a prayer ministry here and basically uh, create an environment where people are welcome to come and gather in prayer on Wednesday nights and they pray f- pray for people on Sunday mornings. It, it's uh it's it's really important. It's it's ministries like that across Shades that that I think of for sure. Yeah, and so one thing I think this causes us to do is sometimes churches can fall into a pattern where they're looking around at other churches and saying, okay, what are quote-unquote successful churches doing, and then we need to match that, or what's the previous mold, like Jonathan said, and we need to fit that mold. And if we're not going to do that, uh, what we're going to do instead is look inside at Shades Valley, look within the body, say, Lord, who have you given us? And how are they gifted and what are you calling them to? And then how can we come alongside them as pastors and empower them and help them cultivate those giftings to serve the body? And it might not look like a massive ministry, but that doesn't mean that it's any less significant. And it's really cool to see the work that God does in the hearts of our members as they step into ministry roles and as they serve and as they pour out, it's a really beautiful thing. All right. So moving on to the last piece of the statement, Jonathan has already alluded to it a little bit. Sorry. I, I read ahead right just now <laughs> while you were talking and I was like, oops, I started talking about that. <laughs> I love it. Cause Jonathan is Mr. Organization. And so the fact that he has gone off, It's just wonderful. You're leading this discussion. I I didn't have it outlined. I'm sorry. I know. So, the body of Christ is at its healthiest when pastors are equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. And the saints are doing precisely that as they're helped by the Lord. So, this is uh, straight out of Ephesians 4. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. And so there was a, a pastor at a church that I was at that when he was preaching on this text said a phrase that I'll never forget. That's always encouraging to me as a pastor when I remember things that previous pastors say. From somebody else. I mean, I have no idea what he said in the rest of his sermon, but I remember this one phrase. Did, John John Piper uh, will say that... Uh, Books don't change lives, and sermons don't change lives. Sentences do. You know, there really is. There's a truth to that. So, yeah. I, I really, I agree with that. There are just certain sentences that, that's right. And, I mean, he doesn't mean that in total, but you get what he's getting at. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. All right, you keep going. Anyway, so he just said that the vision of Ephesians 4 is not the pastors doing all of the ministry, but empowering the saints to do the work of ministry themselves to build up the body. And for me, I think that was just such a huge paradigm shift uh, for for me at that point in my life. And it's been something that has, has shaped my view of pastoral ministry. I also talked about Eugene Peterson in, the, in my sermon and how he said as a pastor, he wanted to commit his work to preaching, praying, and listening or counseling individuals. And I think what Peterson gets at is how the logistical tasks of ministries, planning events, so on and so forth, uh, that can be something that takes all your time as a pastor. And when you look back on the weeks and the years, you find, wow, I've minimally spent time 
preparing to preach or I've minimally spent time being able to sit down with people and be able to, to listen and offer counsel or I've uh, spent very little time praying for people. And so I think what Peterson points out, and I, I would agree with them, is that these are, are central to what it means to be a shepherd, to be uh, a teacher, to um, equip the body of Christ. And so if when we look at our job, the work that we're doing isn't giving us space to do these central tasks, maybe we need to reassess something. Mm-hmm. And so that's always been a guide for me. And so, and been kind of central as I look at uh, what it means to equip the body uh, to carry out uh, the the ways that God has gifted them to serve others. Yeah. No, I agree a hundred percent, and not just because Peterson said it, but because you know the apostles did in the Book of Acts. Um. <laughs> yeah, but did they say it as cool as? Peterson they said we got to give ourselves to the ministry of word and prayer and to prayer. So sorry, I was just being a jerk. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. The, hey, such listen, like a Jesus Jew. You are. You have sassy moods. Uh, I'm just. I got a sassy mood going on. Um, no, I. All jokes aside. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, well, hold on. The reason I let me defend myself. I think the reason. <laughs> now I've made him like questions. I think the reason you know that I, I reference Peter's Peterson is because. You know, Peterson, his day was looking around and seeing, man, there are so many pastors that aren't doing this. Right, right, like, right. we've really gotten away mm. from this work. And I think that's a message to our day as well, Jonathan. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I cannot remember the author, but there was a book I remember <laughs> reading on uh, on pastoral ministry. And it just talked about how all aspects of pastoral ministry are word-based ministry. You know, so whether that means preaching or whether that means sitting and listening and counseling people and encouraging them with the word of God or praying in accordance with the word of God, it's all, and, and it's, it was, it's a very convicting thing to like take a look at my ministry as a whole and go, okay, can I say that all of this is word-based ministry? Like what I'm trying to do is minister to people, the word of God, the truth of God, the gospel. And, uh, and I think it's getting at that same thing, that same idea that uh, Peterson's getting at. And I, I love Peterson and love that quote as well, out of contemplative faster. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what my next thought was. <laughs> I, We're slowly I, fading here at the end. We are. It's, it's mid-afternoon. My coffee mug is officially empty. Um, we spent way too much time on the tacos. That's yeah, true. I think that was it. <laughs> but... But yeah, no, I, I mean, just I when we say the church is at its healthiest when pastors are doing what they're called to do and when the body is doing what it's called to do. Yep. And I mean, I think that that makes complete and total sense. Again, yep. the pastor is not meant to be every member. Right. Doing everything. And uh, I mean, I think this is a, a prophetic word for our time because we're in an age where pastors are dropping like flies, man. Mm. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think everyone in this room can think of several stories of people who have walked away from the ministry. And, and you know, those reasons are, are complicated. Uh, but one wonders in the midst of that if there has been some sort of um, lost vision of the pastoral vocation and, and what pastors are doing and the value of it. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. I think my final thought here, too, as we wrap this up, is uh, we've talked a lot about what member-led means, but that last word, ministry, um, 
I think it, it it can get thrown around as a churchy word, but I remember the first time I heard it in a non-church context uh, was through uh, the Brits to bring it back around to uh, the Queen. Oh wow, what a the Queen! What a connection! Yeah, bring it back around um, because that that's the title they use for their government offices. You know, there's a minister of whatever I don't know defense, uh, defense, mm-hmm. a minister of whatever. Mm-hmm. Same and thing with uh, Hogwarts. Right. <laughs> he said right before he even thought about it. I love that. <laughs> ah, that that would be because it's in England. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> we, we we have devolved. Uh, the word means servant. Yep. You know, service. So, so yeah, service. And so when we talk about member-led ministry, we're talking about ways that members lead, but it's servant leadership. It's service to the body. And Ephesians 4 gets right at that because what is the purpose of the members being equipped and doing uh, the work of the ministry? For the building up of the body. They're doing this in service of others within the body. So when we talk about member-led ministry, like we, we have other ways that we talk about mission outside of shades and mission to the community and mission to the world and, and, and more evangelistic focus. But when we talk about member-led ministry, we're talking about how do we serve and build up one another in the faith. And we believe that God has gifted everybody in the body to do mm-hmm. that because it is a body. Exactly. So yeah, member-led ministry. Brad? Thank you for leading us through that discussion. And Brad, I wanted to ask you this before we go. Let's say there's someone listening right now that actually goes to Shades and they see a need. They have an idea for a ministry at Shades. How would you encourage them to pursue that? And what are some practical ways in which they could pursue that at Shades? Yep. I was actually going to close by talking about that. We talk about having formal and informal ministries at Shades. And when we say formal ministries, we're talking about these are the ministries that you see on the website. Greeters team, youth ministry. Things you can sign up for. Worship team, things you can sign up for. And I really want us to have a broader vision when we think about ministry. Because I think what's happened in the modern era is when people go to a church, they go, okay, I want to get connected and I want to serve. And they immediately go to the website and see, okay, where can I be plugged in? And there's, that is definitely a good thing. And that is one of the ways that you can get involved in serving at Shades. You can do that. And you can see all the ministries and you can contact the leaders and you can get involved there and use your giftings. That's awesome. I also want us to have a broader vision of serving and I want us to have a broader vision of community groups that goes outside of SVCC serving teams and goes outside of community groups. Um, There are so many people in this body that have really rich relationships with people that they aren't in a community group with. You know what I'm saying? And like, there are so many people in this body that serve. Like I'm not in a community group with either one of (laughs) (laughs) y'all. This is true. Like there's so many people that serve this body and they're not on a formal serving team. So once again, I'm not trying to say that's bad in any way, but I think sometimes uh, we've kind of reduced these visions of serving in community. And so how are you gifted? I mean, there are, use your gifts to serve the body. Maybe that means you cook meals. Maybe that means you work on cars. Maybe that means you 
do yard work. Maybe that means you just sit down and listen with somebody. I mean, there are just so many ways in which your gifts can be used for the body. And But to, to think about that, we got to get outside of, I just can operate within these kind of predetermined ministries. So one way is to go to the website and to work within the ministries that we have. And, and that's an awesome way to do that. Another way is uh, to think about how you can use your own giftings to serve the community in a broader sense. The final way is you you might look at us and say, man, it would be really cool if Shades could do this. So you're looking at something, you say, I'm seeing a need in the body that's not being addressed. Okay, uh, it would be really cool maybe if Shades could have some ministry that does X, Y, or Z. Well, sit down with myself, sit down with Jonathan, sit down with John Mark, and we would love to have a conversation with you and, and either empower you or brainstorm about individuals that could be a part of a team or somebody else that could even lead it up. There have been some uh, ministries in the past that have happened because people have done that. I think about Susan Sexton coming to the elders and that allowed grace, the godly response to abuse in Christian environment to come and to do an assessment of our church and to do a training. I think about... Oh, why am I blanking? Um, I'm thinking about Weldon, uh, Becky Weldon, Rebecca Weldon. Yeah, yeah. And special connections. Special connections and how she saw this need in the body and started it. So this happens. This happens all the time. So, yeah, you can uh, send us an email at midweek at shadesvalley.org or you can send it to our individual emails. I think Jonathan's on Marco Polo. You could polo him. <laughs> You might not want that out there. Oh my word! Anyway, um, <laughs> and hey, seriously, if you um, if you uh, have a way that you feel like God has gifted you to serve the body, and that you are serving the body, but it's not an official way, signed up on a list, like it's a more organic way. Yep. Email us. Email, and we would love to read that as a testimony to everybody. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and if you don't want your name shared, that's totally fine. Just tell us. We won't share your name. But it would be cool to offer other examples to the body of ways that people are organically serving one another. 100%. So, anyway. Well, gentlemen, I think that about wraps us up. Um, so we do thank you for joining us on our ramble today. Uh, but we do hope that the conversation about member-led ministry has been helpful. And we will hopefully see you again. Or, yeah, not see you again. Well, hopefully see you on Sunday, but hopefully you will join us again next week or send us an email because yeah. it's Shades Midweek. You're part of the conversation. We'd love to hear your thoughts on gambling. Sure. Sure, Brad. Thanks. Thanks all. <laughs> <laughs>